0: So
1: Take a moment. When Isaiah had his revelation of the Lord, the scripture says it was in the year that King Uzziah died, the king being the political power at that time. Isaiah, history shows Isaiah had a long relationship with the king and so when he died there was a question as to what was going to transpire what was going to happen in the absence of somebody, of him being gone and somebody new coming in and it says that it was in that year that, that Isaiah had a revelation of God one that caused him to cry out holy are you Lord I'm unclean. I mean, so this is this is a very unique revelation of the Lord. And uh, I'm always kind of reminded of that. But even this morning as we were singing this song, Holy Are You, Lord, that's what Isaiah became aware of, the holiness of God. And I thought, Lord, what would happen if you would just pull back the veil for just a split second and every congregation and every church across America for just a few seconds. And they could catch a glimpse of the holiness of who you are. What would change? What would happen? And as we just continued singing. In that free worship. I, all of a sudden I saw in my spirit. I don't know how to explain it. I saw like a church and a congregation. It was somewhere in america but yeah it, it, it just represented like the american church and all of a sudden the roof was just completely lifted off and i saw the stars of the sky clear as as like nothing you can even imagine and every person in that building suddenly looked upward and went <gasps> and it was like revelation something transpired that brought that about that God awakened his church to the holiness of who he is and the greatness of who he is and I just feel that we should pray right now for the church in America God, take the roof off. We're so content in our four walls and doing our thing. Isaiah was disrupted. His life was disrupted by that which took place in the secular realm by the death of a king. And somehow through that, you garnered his attention and he saw you high and lifted up and your glory... And your holiness was made manifest. And it says the Lord's saying, I'm about to do some things. And it's going to grab a hold of the, of the people's attention. There's an awakening that's taking place, and I sense that there's going to be some things take place in the natural realm that are going to shake some people, and and suddenly cause them to lift their eyes towards the heaven. And when that happens, God is going to take the roof off, and He's going to there'll be a manifestation, a revelation of who He is—the Holy, the Holy One, the Almighty One, the Glorious One. Not just a God who desires to bless, but a God that when we see Him, we fall on our face and we cry, Holy, holy, holy is the one who rules and reigns forever. Can we pray right now? Dare we pray? Dare we pray? God, God, raise the roof. Do whatever you have to do. Grab attention of your church, God, of of this nation. But God, wake the church up. The the church, Isaiah, had a revelation, an unfolding that came to pass. In the year that King Uzziah died, God do whatever it takes to take the roof off your church that causes the hearts and the minds and the eyes of your people to look towards the heaven instead of looking inside and inward upon themselves and looking for man's answers and man's ideas and man's ideals and man's approval then we would fall on our face and cry holy, holy, holy are you God worthy of praise worthy of glory worthy of honor God, I don't care what the sign says out front. I don't care what the denomination says. God, do what needs to be done to capture the minds and the attention of the people in churches all across America, from the smallest home group to the largest mega church. Whatever you have to do, God, do it. And then, God, when it takes place, let us fall before you. He cry, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come forevermore. Holy Spirit, even now, loosen, 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 Lord God. Cause our eyes to be turned towards You. Cause our eyes turned to be turned towards You, Lord God. Lord of all over everything someone earlier I said, a Mother's Day is one of the biggest days of the year that people attend church. did you know that? It used to be years ago when we had landline telephone only that was the biggest day of the year. at and said it's the biggest day of the year because people calling mom but that wasn't the case for fathers. But I'm so thankful for you men that you're here setting the role setting the example and i just be honest is there any one of us here that have felt like that we have been the dad we should have been in every way form no I know I've woke up that way this morning feeling that way saying wish I had been a better dad wish I had I wish I had known when I was a younger dad what I know now. <laughs> but that's not the way it works, is it? But I'm so thankful for God and for the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I just want to recognize you guys and thank you for being men of God. I'm just going to say men of God. You might say, well, you don't know my faults. I don't. You don't know mine? You want to know blessing for you today. Heavenly Father, you are a good father. You know how to be a good father. And even so much that you gave your only begotten son. Father, I thank you for these men. The title of father, dad, daddy, whatever it may be, rest upon them in the mantle of being a father to a child. Grandfather, maybe even great-grandfather. God, I just pray a unique, Blessing for each one that only you know you know them you know the things that are dear to their hearts you know the things that matter you, you know the things that weigh on their heart you know the things that causes their heart to leap with joy so I pray Lord speak blessing of the Father upon each and every one the world wants to tear down and destroy the godly picture of Father God we lift them up today Holy Spirit You're not done with me. Keep bringing forth, creating, bringing forth the characteristics of a godly father. From the oldest to the youngest one, I speak blessing. Blessing from the Father above. Even those that are listening by way of the internet, thank you for them, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here today. Hey, Pastor Nate, before you go, why don't you just come give like a real quick update of what happened at camp this week.
2: Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day to all the Papas out there. Hey, so guys, uh, I really can't put into words what God did this week at camp. Uh, I have to say this, it's probably the most spiritually, uh, I, I've been to uh, three camps in the last three years, and this camp to me was the most uh, spiritually growing for our students. Students, The speaker uh, was uh, Eric Hoffman, he's a National Speed Light Director of, uh, in the nation, of course, <laughs> and um, he just spoke to our students with such a real, raw message, um, and the students... They responded. We had 170, right, 170? Yeah, 170 respond to ministry, 140 uh, new salvations, and 40 baptisms in the Holy Spirit. I think it was four. yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, come on, come on, amen, amen. And I also want to say, uh, man, Oaks College did the worship there. And let me just say, I've been to many camps and not to you know knock on any other thing, but I just feel like this team led by the spirit, they flowed in the spirit they left sometimes they left their set and they just worshipped and I just saw the kids engaged like i 've never seen them engaged before. I had students in my own group who I watch in youth. You know, they're kind of timid when they're in a small area, you know. But I watch kids that I've never seen get on their knees and raise their hands before God. I've, I've seen kids um, just begin to go and pray for one another, stepping out. Uh, just a real powerful time. I want to thank everyone who invested in sending a kid to camp. Uh, it's truly, it's really true what they say. Camp changes lives. So thank you guys for trusting me with your students, and I can't wait to do it again. Amen.
1: Yeah, I didn't tell him ahead of time I was going to do that because I, <laughs> I said, let, let him just speak from his heart. And, uh, uh, yeah, I've heard, just heard tremendous things from our young people about about the week at camp. So, um, and I'm just telling you, I'm a product of youth camp because I was running from God as a minister, and it was Me taking kids to camp in Tennessee for eight weeks. Eight weeks, Nick. I went eight weeks. By the end of four weeks, I couldn't even speak. I had no voice, you know. And um, I have a picture of that last week because it was there that God said, I didn't tell you to be in business. I called you to the ministry. And it was there that God started me back on the right track so I believe in camps, not just for the kids, but also for the adults. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. Let me switch microphones here. Um, let, me, let me just say uh, those of the, that were here last week, thank you. Amanda Thompson last week did just a great job. And, <clears throat> and I'm going to just thank you up front for the offering. Almost $900 came in out of that small crowd that we had here. But almost nine hundred dollars came in for uh, to bless her and her her missions, call to go back. She's headed back, I think, after the first week of July, back to uh Vietnam, and so uh, thank you, thank you for that. Thank you for giving. Thank you for supporting missions because that's what it's all about, right? Amen. Well, I'm I'm going to start a a mini series this morning. It's not a Father's Day thing. I'm sorry. But I will tell you how this came about. It's a little preface, okay? Um, This message and probably the next couple uh, began as a reflection of families um, that are broken without a father. I know what that's like. My wife knows what that's like. And started a couple weeks ago. I knew Father's Day was coming. And I'm just keenly aware of my own personal relationship um, with my father, which is not a good one. I wish it was better. And, uh, in fact, there isn't one right now. I'm just being totally transparent with you. and uh, But it's not because of me. Um, that's not my choice. But as I reflected on it over the last couple of weeks, one day, I don't remember when it was, I became... Acutely aware of the broken connection between the human race and our Heavenly Father. And I thought how it must hurt him, grieve him, that his creation, his children, would turn their back on him. I felt that pain and anguish. I actually did. I don't know how to explain it to you, except that's where this is coming from. And so um over the next and, 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 and last weekend um up in Minden I had an an encounter with a uh older black man there. Uh, that he and I sat and talked for a good while. He just happened to be giving me a ride in a golf cart at a barbecue competition. And we ended up hitting the brakes and talking. And, and he started talking to me, telling me about his life and about some things. And it just began stirring up a lot of different things in my in my own heart. And so for the next few, few weeks, I, I'm, I'm simply titling this Broken Connection. Because it is a broken connection between... God's creation in him. And I'm going to be taking on a few subjects that are very sensitive. And it is not my intent to offend anyone. uh, But I am going to address today at least um, in the area of of the sexual revolution and rebellion against God by my culture itself next week probably on racism and the very root of that and, and, and my intent is to not just point out sin but how does one as a Christian respond rightly okay please understand there's going to be a balance there you have to define the issue And outline it biblically, but then you have to say, how does one respond to it biblically? And what should we be praying for and working towards? And and there's a couple other subjects that are stirring around inside of me. So I'm just giving you a heads up, that's kind of where I'm at. Because I know even some of these things may be very close for some of you, very personal for some of you. And please hear my heart. I, I'm just telling you, normally God gives me direction and I can sit down prayerfully and with a matter of, of a couple hours or so, a few hours, put a message together. I have spent two days on this one, two full days until late last night. And so because I want God's heart on this. In fact, been up since four o'clock, relooking it over again. So let me get started. Uh, A little over a decade ago, uh, an English journalist named Melanie Phillips, she was writing on the state of Western civilization, and she made an observation. I'm going to put it up on the screen. She says, society seems to be in the grip of mass derangement, a sense that the world has slipped off the access of reason. This was over, a year, over 10 years ago she wrote this. You have to know this, that she's an agnostic practicing Jew. So she has that Jewish background, but she's an agnostic in that she doesn't necessarily acknowledge that there is even a God. But she's seeing through all of this that's taking place, and this was over 10 years ago, and saying something slipped here. I couldn't believe it the other day when I saw a video. I'm going to try and stay on track because I have a lot of stuff I want to go over. But I couldn't believe it the other day when I saw a video of Christians and Muslims who have united together, parents who united together in front of a school board meeting telling the school board members they were not going to be allowed in because they were there to protect their children. I'm like Christians and Muslims arm in arm saying our children are our children. Now they're waking up. They're seeing this, okay? But but can I tell you for the most part the church is sound asleep. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but I I'm just I'm just letting you know this is so this is really just kind of going on the side of me. The thing about uh, what Ms. Phillips uh, wrote was that in her analysis, and it was a large piece, a large paper that I read, um, but in her analysis, there was no recognition of the Bible's account of the world and the way that God made it in its entirety and perfectness and how it became so erratic. In other words... So she let the God equation out of it and yet saying the normalcy has somehow slipped. And if you put the God picture or God equation in it, it it's gone off the rails. It's not just slipped. It's, it's not like stripped of gear. It's just like, you know, dropped out of the bottom. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The prophet Isaiah, uh, t- to me, came to immediately to mind, gave us, Insight to to our situation today, in Isaiah fifty nine, beginning with verse one, it says, "Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear." So he makes a positive thing. He says, "Surely," in other words, God is able to save and to deliver and all of those things. He'll restore the lives of the people in our culture. But then in the next verse, he goes on and says. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So he's saying, God is able to fix. God is able to restore. God is able to heal. God is able to deliver. God is able to do everything. But your iniquities have separated you from God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And he goes on. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken falsely, and your tongue mutters wicked things. And he goes on and says, No one Calls for justice. No one pleads a case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments. They utter lies. They conceive trouble. They give birth to evil. Their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. Acts of violence mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. They have turned them into crooked roads, and no one walks along them will know peace. And then he goes on and says, and he says, So justice is far from us, and the righteousness does not reach us. In other words, the thing that we want, the thing that we desire, is far away. He says, Because of all of this, he says, Justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness. For brightness, we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. Now, I don't know when... Yeah, you could tell this in a shout and run around the house kind of message. But he's saying, our God is able to do these things. He says, but because of your iniquities, your ways, your sinfulness, he said... He, And then he breaks down and describes it. He says, your hands are dripping with blood. You want light, but you're walking in darkness. He said, you conceive of all kinds of troubles. You make up all kinds of lies and faint arguments. And he just goes on and on and on. And what he basically says is that the current state of our culture is due to our turning away from God. That's what Isaiah says. Our sins as a nation have separated. In fact, I looked up that word separated and it was interesting because it literally means to build a wall. It's not like separated like distance. It's, it means we built a wall between us and God. We built it. God didn't put it there. We did it. Our sins have separated us from God. I don't know if anybody saw this. I posted it on my, my Facebook page last about a week ago or so. <clears throat> news spread so, changes so fast that... Well, anyway, I thought I'd bring this up, and, and it's just one part of this whole thing. But last, about a week ago, the WEF, I don't know, uh, the World Economic Forum, which if you don't know what that is, you really need to know what's going on in the world. But this is the headline that I, I captured it, and it just says, they, they're calling for AI, artificial intelligence... To rewrite the scripture, to be rewritten by artificial intelligence, to create a globalized new Bible. Okay, and 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 uh the the guy the guy on the left you're that left the guy on the right is Klaus what's his name the head of the W F the guy on the left there. Uh, Yuval Hara is a senior advisor to to Chairman Klaus Schwab, and, and he stated that using artificial intelligence to replace scriptures will create unified, quote, religions that are actually correct, unquote. In other words, and, and I don't know if you've been keeping up with this, but they're using it already for so many so many things out there. Uh, 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 and Somebody I know typed in there and says, uh, Is Jesus Christ the Son of God? And he's asking AI. And AI came back and said, I, I am not allowed to draw conclusions about things like that. So they put in there, Is Muhammad a true prophet of God? And it came on and says, Yes. The Quran says, And he gave a large... In other words, anything about Christianity, it denied, uh, that it couldn't even answer it. But any other religion, it was, it was able to give you tons of information. I saw an article the other day. If you want to make some side hustles using AI, they gave a half a dozen ways that you can make a thousand, two thousand a month using AI. Just type in questions. It will write legal briefs for you. It'll do all kinds of stuff. Well, they want a new Bible written one that will be a global Bible that will be acceptable because supposedly artificial intelligence would be able to take all the information from all the different religions and unify it in a single book that would be acceptable to all. Can anybody see revelation coming to pass here? The WEF has the agenda that is known as the Great Reset. I preached that about a year and a half, two years ago. It's it's an agenda of global elites of the coming reset of human civilization. It it includes everything from um, controlling currency, sustainable energy, to population control, to health passports, you name it. And a reset, in case you don't realize it, but a reset requires events to cause people to accept changes to the status quo. In other words, for them to be able to change, it means that something has to happen that allows people, wants people, or causes them to accept the change. All right? Where did we just see that in the last couple of years but with COVID? And now all the information's coming out and listen, I'm not trying to get political or anything like that. I'm just telling you, we've witnessed a number of those changes in the last several years slowly, but now all of a sudden it's picking up speed and it's accelerating. It's the old frog in the kettle kind of thing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many have no clue what I'm talking about? The idea is if you have a pot of boiling water and you throw a frog in, the frog will immediately jump out because the water's so hot. But if you put the frog in at room temperature and turn up the... the the stove under that water, that pot, one degree at a time, the frog will acclimate to that temperature until it's cooked. And that's what we're seeing happening in our culture and society today with the things that were... this is my intent is to look at some of these issues that are taking place in our culture today and what and how should christians respond to them and and you're going to see that some of them fit very neatly into what bible prophecy tells us is already coming so again i mentioned that i want to address some of the things concerning the sexual revolution that's been taking place over the last number of years it's ironic that those of us who are old enough we grew up in the uh, we saw in the 60s what was called the sexual revolution it was uh, it was on all the major headlines of of newspapers and magazines and it was the free love and all that and it was called the sexual revolution well we're seeing it again except nobody's calling it that but that's exactly what it is that's going on and and um it's taking place in the world and and discussing human sexuality in church is is a difficult topic and and in fact you'll find in a lot of churches it's unpopular because people find it offensive that doesn't belong in church i come to i come to church to feel good well then stay asleep you'll feel good right but you need to know what what's happening in the world around us So my intent is to address some of these issues with caution and, I hope, with a measure of compassion. And yet at the same time, the conviction that God's word and God's way is absolutely perfect. Okay? And not only that, that God knew exactly what he was doing when he created Adam and Eve. When he created the human race, God knew exactly what he was doing. And one of the passages that's interesting to me in the New Testament that speaks of the wrath of God in regards to this very subject also speaks about the amazing grace of God. See, we can't preach wrath without preaching grace. And you can't preach grace without preaching wrath. Because listen, the, the people who preach only grace and never talk about the law <clears throat> the law says that we are, our sins cause us to be already condemned before a holy God. Okay, so in other words, I, I'm born with a prison sentence on my life. If I live my life and stand before God, I have to give an account for my sins. And without a savior and without an acceptable sacrifice, I stand guilty before a holy God. There's no ends, ifs, or ways about it. That's just the way it is. And it's only then that I realize that grace is an incredible gift from God because I stand condemned. And there's no hope without the grace of God. But if all I do is preach grace and never talk about the holiness and and the righteousness of God and all of that, then then one day I say, eh, I don't want to do that anymore. I go back to my old way of life. There's no backstop. The the law is not there. There's nothing there that would say, I better not turn back because this is what's staring me down. Are you are you following what I'm saying? And so what's interesting, Paul begins to make the argument in the book of Romans, chapter 1. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I want to look at a few of these verses and break it down a little bit. <clears throat> Beginning with verse 16. We preach this all the time. We love this verse. I like this verse. How many of you like this verse? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone. Say everyone. To everyone who believes. Somebody might say, everyone? Everyone. That's what it says. And Paul goes on to say, because everyone needs the gospel. (laughs) He says, I'm not ashamed of it because it is the power of God unto salvation for those who would believe. And oh, by the way, everybody needs it. It's not like, oh, this is only for a select group, those who fall in this category. It's not like a blood type, like if you're A negative, this is only for you. No, this is for anybody who's alive that has blood running through their veins. And so he begins, he said, every one of us is born into the same hopeless and helpless situation. In verse 18 of chapter 1, he says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven, is being revealed. That's current, okay? In other words, this is happening in Paul's day. It's still happening today. It's being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now watch this, okay? In other words, the whole human race lives in a world of broken connections. How? Because verse 19 says, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. Now, how many of you believe God God doesn't lie? God has made it plain, and he's made it plain in so many ways all around us. But if I go through life with my hands over my ears and my hands over my eyes so that you can't, I can't see and I can't hear because I don't want to see that, it doesn't change the fact that that's the way it is. He says, they suppress the truth, the truth that he has shown about himself. They deny the fact that he has made himself known clearly In the universe in which we live. Okay? This isn't the truth about an issue. This is the truth about God Himself. All right? Look at verse 20. He says, For since the creation of the world, so this isn't new, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, God says, I've revealed myself by everything that you see around you. All the intricacies of nature and the world and the laws of of gravity and, and everything else. He said, I've revealed myself. I mean, scientists tell you if the earth had just been one degree different on its axis, it would be uninhabitable. So it just happened that it, it's just right. God says, I'm, I'm revealing myself so that I, it's clearly so that it can clearly be seen. He says, so that people are without excuse. God, people all the time say, What about people who don't go to church? God says, I put myself all around them. And everything that they see and do, they'd have to look at it and go, how did this come to be? Well, God, no, I don't believe in God. That doesn't change it. You know, I can tell you, have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? No, I've been there. I can tell them what it looks like. Somebody goes, I don't believe that. It doesn't change the fact. It's big. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's big. And you say, well, I, I, I just don't believe that doesn't change the fact. It's over there. Go see for yourself. So when we choose not to worship God or we choose not to thank God, when we refuse to know God as he has made himself known, when we choose not to worship him, we actually worship something or someone else. And this brings us back to the subject of human sexuality. Not because it's some kind of hobby horse or, or because I get a sense of satisfaction of preaching against it or being controversial or whatever. It's because God's word is very clear on the subject, okay? If, if we simply choose the parts of the Bible we like and reject the parts that we don't like, then we don't believe the Bible we believe ourselves. And you know what that is? The Bible calls that idolatry. Idolatry. It is that which usurps the position and the place of God. If I choose not to believe what the Bible says and what God's word says, then, and I, then I choose to believe my, my own beliefs, my own and who I am and and that is idolatry and idolatry leads to all sorts of immorality and the immorality gets more perverse as it involved, as it evolves because it doesn't just stay there I mean people will tell you I don't know how I got hooked in this I don't know how I got hooked on this I don't know how because it it never stays the same it it demands more it creates a desire. The, 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 I've heard people talk about drugs. They say, I, I never intended getting hooked on the hard stuff. I planned it. But, but what happens is the first time, you know, I, I remember the first time I smoked marijuana. I felt great. And I think I ate three bags of Fritos. I had the munchies so bad it wasn't funny. I remember the night. I know where I was in California when I was a teenager. And I can tell you the next time and the next time. But you know what? After a while, it didn't feel the same. I needed something else. And it just leads that way. I know people who say, well, I just started drinking a glass of wine once a year or once a month or whatever. Next thing you know, they're, they're buying it by the gallons. And they're buying... The hard stuff. I know people who have been entangled in in all kinds of sexual sin. And they go, I don't know how I got here. It started with just a little bit. Until that didn't satisfy. And then that, that didn't satisfy. And that didn't satisfy. And that didn't satisfy. That's the way the enemy works. But see, God made us. With a, with a need to be fulfilled on the inside that only he can fulfill. So the enemy tries to get us to turn anyplace else but towards God. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul says, when men and women turned away from God and towards idols, which we do today, we say, oh, we don't turn towards I-. When you believe in self and you put self first in your life, and your needs and your desires and everything else you you've made yourself an idol verse goes on it says and god gave them up in the lust of in of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves verse 26 says and god gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. In other words, God God didn't say, if you do this, I'm going to put this on you. God said, if you go this direction, here's, the, here's what you reap. It's your choice, your decision. He said the due penalty, in other words, if I choose to go that way, this is what's coming. And I want you to notice something. People always, when they get into the subject, they always, Christians especially, say, they always like to point out this. They exchange the normal natural function of human sexuality. That's not the first exchange that Paul writes about in the scripture here. In fact, in verse 23, it says, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In fact, the first exchange was of the creator for created idols. They, they exchanged the glory and the, of God for created idols. And then in verse 25, it goes on, and it says, and they exchanged the truth about God for a lie how many of you know to have an exchange you got to have it's a two-way thing right you got to have something to give away and you're going to receive something back so you can't have an exchange where like if I say I'm going to give you something we're going to exchange something like if I go to a foreign country and I need to exchange my currency I'm changing I'm giving them my currency and they're giving me their currency it's an exchange a transaction that takes place, and so they, in this case, they exchange the knowledge of God for ignorance. And it's because they refuse to believe in God, begin, refuse to worship God, that God releases men and women to their dishonorable pleasures, is what the Bible says. And, and he's given them up to something which contemporary society regards as an, an alternative lifestyle. That's what it used to be called. And now it's, it's being pushed that it's mainline. It's mainstream. And anyone who doesn't accept it is the problem. The Bible pronounces it to be an abomination, to be a perversion. So it goes from idolatry to immorality. Stay with me. So you're thinking, we're in the 21st century. How did we get here? If you, be, if you look back at the last several decades, if you're old enough or even just want to go back and get, find history that hasn't been rewritten, it, 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 there's, there's been a plan, an agenda. Let me show this. Three things real quick. First, and that is to make the broader society sympathize with their struggles, both on a personal and societal nature. And, and Christians have been attacked for this because they go, and you call yourself a Christian. You're supposed to be loving. God is a God of love. See, they always want to pick that side of God, but they don't want to pick the other side that says God is our just God also. And so we're supposed to lead the world in sympathy, but we're supposed to lead the world in Christ-like sympathy. In other words, we're, we're to have empathy from the position of what who God is and what God's word says, right? You understand what I'm saying? So the first, first part was to have a broader Uh, acceptance of society with their struggles on a personal level and on a mainstream level. Second was a clear desire to normalize homosexuality, transgenderism, the whole nine yards through media and individuals' platforms. Okay? And then the third part was a concerted effort to demonize those who opposed the revolution. Okay? So, First, let's gather sympathy for our cause, may take some while, and it took years. I have documents that would show you, and in fact, in the UK, over a 25 year period of time, in 1988, the parliament passed a, a law in the UK that made it illegal in any way, shape or form to speak about homosexuality or anything like that in public schools. And then, about 10 years later, that bill was repealed. Three or four years later, another part that was more acceptable was put in place. And within 25 years, what may, what was illegal to do in school is now mandatory to do in school. It's that old frog in the kettle kind of thing over a period of time. And now, And now we're at the point where... There is a concerted effort to demonize anyone who opposes this revolution. In other words, dissenters will be nearly canceled at nearly any cost. How many of you may have seen the article about the family, the Catholic family over the Lake Charles area? That has a business. um, uh, They're in the uh, foie gras business. They have some large restaurant accounts in New Orleans and stuff. And he came out, when Pride Month was announced in June, he came out in his own personal social media page and made a statement against it, saying that if there should be anything, we should be boasting. And they're very, very Catholic. But they they were saying we should be boasting upon God and who he is, and and, and religion, and our faith, and we should not be accepting things that are not based on our faith. And with just this week, when it hit the media, regular media got a hold of it, just this week, he lost two major accounts, over $10,000 a week in business. And he said, they're on the border of going under simply because they made a statement that they don't agree. And this is what's happened. They were demonized in the media and public because they made a statement of faith. The West as a whole, America in particular, is not in the mess that it's in because of its immorality. Listen to me. We are in the mess that we're in because we worship modern-day Baals rather than the living God. The moral degradation, the brokenness of our culture is simply the evidence of the wrath of God being revealed from heaven. In other words, it's the actual immorality is not the cause of our current state of culture it's the evidence of what happens when we turn inward for truth when we say God's Word we don't believe we don't accept what we say is most important and and so the sexual revolution that's going on with and I'm not gonna get into all those things, the LGBTQ plus minus, dot, 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 whatever. And I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying every time I turn around, there's another letter or something been added to it. It's not just simply an alternative lifestyle. It is an the Bible says it's an unnatural decision born of preceding idolatry. It's an expression against it's a rebellion of, against God. It's it, people who simply say, "I will decide who I am, what I am, what I'm doing and with whom I'm doing it." That's all it is. They've made themselves into an idol. They've made the, Their own decree is what they're going to follow. And when culture finally gets to the place where manhood and womanhood and gender itself is deconstructed, and then reconstructed according to whatever agenda an individual has, the ethical set of norms for is gone, and that that generation is facing a firestorm. And we see this disintegration not only at the societal level but even at the personal level. Listen, having a broken connection with our creator who made us purposefully, we struggle to actually know who we are. If you and I, as the Bible says, were created in the image of God, and you were created, he says, from the moment you were conceived, I knew you. I have a plan for you. That means you and I were purposefully created. We have a di- divine DNA in us for a purpose on earth. And when we we break that connection from the God who created us, then we are left to, to ourselves to find out who we are and what our life is about. And so... The gospel is a gospel for the whole world. For the Bible-believing Christian, all, all of this presents a big challenge. I mean, we got to have one foot firmly planted in the world of the Bible and have another foot planted in our context of what's going on in the world, right? You can't live up on the mountaintop. And on one hand, we have to, we're called to refute false, bad ideas in the awareness that Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hate, hated you. Okay? So this idea that we, we need to do everything so that everybody will like us is not even biblical. But that doesn't mean you go around to be hateful. And I see that too much with some Christian groups. and and social media just amplifies it it exacerbates it and the news media gets a hold of it and all you see about christians is that they're nasty and mean spirited and they're calling people names and everything else they make it look that way i'm just telling you you can take it out of a context anything a text taken out of context becomes a pretext for a new argument And yet on the other hand, we have the good news to share that Jesus was delivered to the cross, that men and women might be delivered from sin and born again to life everlasting. And so in Christ, broken lives are made new and broken connections with our creator restored. That's the good news. So how do you honor God, obey his word, Love your neighbors, friends, and family members who have decided to go a different way. Isn't that the balancing act? Some Christians have decided that the way to respond to our culture's broken understanding of human sexuality is to stand up and declare, you're going to hell! You're going to hell! And somehow... They get off on that going, well, I told them where they're going. But then you have the others, Christians on the other side, who've decided they're not going to say anything. I'm reminded, I was reminded like Thursday, praying about this, struggling with this. I was reminded of Jesus in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. The Samaritan woman at the well. You remember that? Samaritan woman comes in the middle of the day. We know the story behind that. Most of the women came in the morning or in the cool of the evening when it wasn't hot. She came in the middle of the day. She had a reputation. The Bible reveals that she had five husbands prior and the man she's living with is not even her husband. And Jesus is sitting by the well and what does Jesus do? He says... Give me to drink. He didn't rail against her. He didn't scream or call down fire and say, Repent, you sinning woman. He didn't do that. But he also didn't stay silent. And he didn't shirk from telling the truth. He spoke the truth in love. And that is a command of the church. You may be telling the truth, but if it's not from a place of love and compassion, then it won't be received, it won't even be heard. In my experience, those who reject God's plan for their sexuality, they're either reviled or affirmed by the people that are around them. The people in the homosexual, bisexual, transgender, non-binary, and whatever category else there are, Really, they just keep making more up, so I don't know what anything is anymore. Um, Here's what their position is. Either you hate me or you affirm me. There's no middle ground. The thing is, for a Christian, is we do not hate but nor do we affirm. We cannot hate because God's word, and we cannot affirm because of God's word. And here's the thing we need to establish and settle in our hearts, brothers and sisters. We must be prepared to say that we are unprepared to rewrite the Bible in order to accommodate a society that needs the Bible and who needs the Jesus of the Bible. Do I need to say that again? We must be prepared that we are unprepared. In other words, we're not going to rewrite this book God's holy word, we're not going to rewrite it to accommodate your feelings or your choices because you need this book and you need the Jesus that's in this book. Okay? and, and In other words, by, in contrast, Christians need to say or ought to say, we will not treat you in either of those ways. I will not revile you, nor will I affirm you. Okay. And the reason we won't revile you is the same reason I cannot affirm you because of this book. Because of the Bible. Because of God's love. Because of God's grace. Because of God's goodness. Honestly, it isn't easy to speak against about the wrath of God. In 99.9% of American churches, you'll never hear a message against sin. You'll never hear anything about God judging our hearts, our lives, the conviction or anything like that. No, today's church doesn't preach like that because it doesn't build crowds. But I'm glad that when I have to speak about the wrath of God being released from heaven, I can that it's wrapped up in knowing that The amazing news of God's grace is also available. We cannot preach one without the other. Years and years ago, when things began happening, there was a certain network of radio stations, Christian radio stations that my wife and I I've never been a Christian radio person anyway, because most of the DJs just want to try and be wanna be preachers. And uh, but it was a network. It was a network across the country. But every single moment, there was a break. There was a commercial. There was something. It the vitriol that was spewed was poison against homosexuals and their agenda and their movement. And, And it just, it just. My wife and I got to the point we said, "Can't listen to this anymore." Because that's all it was. There, was. there was no grace. There was no mercy. There was no saying, you may be trapped in this. But God is able to change you, deliver you, bring you out of it. He did, he did not design you for this. The enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy. That which God desires is best for you. And finally, we just said, enough. Which I was glad because I got tired of those DJs trying to preach whatever their preacher preached last Sunday. That's just me. If you listen to Christian radio, that's fine. I don't listen to it. I just, I'm going to listen to something I can know what I'm listening to. (laughs) But Paul writes to the church, the believers in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 10. I'm almost done listening. He says, do not be deceived. Who's he talking to? He's talking to believers. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. That means I could be deceived. And there are so many Christians today, they don't want to offend, so now now they're accepting And even in this town, I've seen church signs and places where they're accepting of everybody and everything, and no matter what, come on in. And I'm I'm like, you're accepted here, come on in, but I'm I'm not gonna change the message. I'm not gonna tell you that salvation can be found in any other name, because there is no other name under heaven in which salvation can be found but Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to make a 21st century model of Jesus that's more accepting. There isn't a more accepting Christ than Jesus Christ. He said, anyone who believes and comes unto me and repents and comes to me, I will in no way cast out. But you come on his terms. Period. That's the way it is. He says, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen, if we're all going to be honest, that list could go on and on and we would find ourselves somewhere in that list. How do I know that? Because in the very next sentence, look what Paul says. Such were some of you in other words he said some of you were that way he said but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the lord jesus christ and by the spirit of god the church today has a great responsibility to this present day culture We do not need to hide behind the four walls or behind the denominational name or anything else. Oh, yes, we'd all want to go to meetings where heaven comes down and glory fills our soul. But can I tell you, heaven is not out there. Hell is raining out there. I said hell is raining and I don't mean rain from heaven. I'm talking about ruling, controlling and it's God is calling the light to go into the darkness and we don't go in there with a modified truth. We go in there with the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of God's word, but with the compassion and the heart of God, recognizing that those we're talking to have a broken connection with the Father in heaven who walks wants to be connected with them? Who wants to restore a relationship with them? And when I say the church has a responsibility, I don't mean the pastors or the ministers or the evangelists. I'm talking about every born-again, blood-washed, spirit-filled, sanctified child of God. I came across this quote this week, blew my mind. And it's from uh, the 13th century Italian poet Dante Alighieri. Many of you probably have seen his thing, Dante's Inferno, all that kind of stuff. But I found this quote by him, and it just blew me away. 13th century, and he says, The darkest places in hell are reserved for those who maintain their neutrality in times of moral crisis. You can't be Switzerland, a spiritual Switzerland. When the country's going under, you can't, you just can't. The hope for the greedy, the hope for the immoral is the same hope for all of us. And it's the cross of Jesus Christ. He was given up on our behalf so that we might enjoy all the beauty and the goodness that is found in Him. That is why I say, when we say that the gospel is for everyone, listen, I'm closing. I honestly am closing. But it's the gospel for atheists and agnostics, it's the gospel for Jews. And the gospel for Gentiles. It's the gospel for Hindus. And the gospel for Muslims. It's the gospel for the lost. And it's the gospel for the lonely. It's the gospel for the happy. And the successful. It's the gospel for the homosexual. Or transgender. It's the gospel for those who experience. Gender dysphoria. And those who don't. It's the gospel for the whole world. One gospel, one world, one Lord, one Christ, one spirit, one salvation. Not a gospel written by artificial intelligence that would be acceptable to the world. The day may come when they try to force that on us. I will not bow and I will not bend. I will not bow to a false gospel. The Bible is unerring and it speaks life giving truth even in our 21st century Western world. Brothers and sisters, we are not at liberty to rewrite the Bible to accommodate the godless perspectives on abortion on euthanasia on same-sex marriage on transgenderism and everything else for it is the gospel it is god's good news for man when christ was born an angel appeared to the shepherd and said good news i bring to you for this day a savior is born in the city of david why because we all are in need of a savior but the gospel is for anyone who's willing to humble themselves and cast aside any other identity for the cause of christ for jesus said in matthew sixteen twenty-five, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it But whoever loses their life for me will find it. It is a gospel for the whole world. For the whole world undoubtedly needs it. And so I say to you and to anyone who's listening by way of the internet. There is no sin that Jesus cannot forgive. There is no pain that Jesus cannot heal. There is no life that Jesus cannot restore. In fact, there is nothing my Jesus cannot is willing and able if we come to Him. I want to take a moment to pray. Is there any place in your life, in your heart that you are in rebellion against God? that becomes an idol and opens the door for the enemy to come in and cause a division between you and your relationship with God God said if you'll humble yourself and repent and call upon me I will forgive. I will restore. In fact, the scripture is so clear. He said, I'll not only forgive, I'll purge it. I'll, 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 I'll just completely roll it out of the way. Jesus is not here to condemn He's here to restore and to heal. And right now, if there's something in your life that's contrary to what you know God desires for you, right now, have a conversation with Jesus right now. You just talk to Him in the same manner that you would just talk, even if you were looking in the mirror, talking to yourself, that you just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of putting this ahead of you. Forgive me for making this the most important thing in my life. Forgive me, Jesus. Come into my life. Take that part out of me. Take it all out of me. Take anything that's not pleasing to you out of my heart and out of my life. I surrender all to you right now. I surrender to you, Jesus. I surrender to. Holy Spirit, I pray for anyone right now whose relationship is broken with Heavenly Father. Whether they're even here right now. There's people here right now praying for someone right now that's not here. Praying that once had a relationship with the Heavenly Father, but it's broken. Something has caused it to be severed. God, we pray right now. We come against the enemy who's trying to kill and destroy That which you have purposed. God, we call that they would cry out to you in repentance. Repentance. There is a day of reckoning that is coming. And already my voice has gone out and called those to rise up and to speak on my behalf. Some have responded in the affirmative. I have placed my spirit within them and emboldened them with a word for this day. But there are those who would try and run from the call. Yet I would remind them that Jonah too ran from the call. But it was in the belly of the fish that he came to himself it is not my desire that that should be but my word goes forth and I have purposed that word on the lives of individuals and if they run from me I will go after them I will not force them but I will bring them to a day of reckoning and if they repent like Jonah he will find they will find themselves cast out onto land and emboldened by the Spirit of God with the word for the hour for this is not a game the time in which you live is a serious moment more serious than anyone can even imagine. For there are forces at work that are not of man, but of the demonic realm operating on the earth and through those that they can find acceptable. I, the Lord God, have an army that I am raising up. And I am calling forth in this hour. But I demand allegiance and loyalty and holiness and purity. That my spirit would rest upon you. That when you open your mouth, your words will be my words. And I will confirm those words with signs following great conversions will take place and lives will be changed households will be restored whole towns will be impacted by revival because someone somewhere answered the call will you answer my call will you answer my call i have called and I await your reply. Jesus, Holy God, Holy God, Holy God. Right now, if you're in this place and Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart, he's saying, will you reply? Will you respond? right now would you do it right where you're at you're welcome to come forward if you want find turn around in your chair doesn't matter make an altar where you're at doesn't matter you sit right where you are but you just say god here i am as isaiah said god here am i use me use me god we will we will not be fearful of the hour We will not be fearful. Jesus, you taught. Do not worry what man can do to you. For they can only kill the body. You said, fear him who can kill the body and the soul. God, we fear you. A reverent fear. A holy fear. Spirit of the living God fall fresh on your church fall fresh not going to dismiss i'm going to you need to leave i understand i would ask that you just reverently as quietly as possible leave there may be some who feel they need to linger for a while and i don't want to shut that down